From the heart of Nebraska's capital city, this is the Nebraska Family Alliance Report. Here's your host, Nate Graz. Predatory companies are exploiting children for profit. States around the country are starting to take action, and Nebraska could be next. I'm Nate Graz, Policy Director for Nebraska Family Alliance, and today we're talking about efforts to bolster parental rights and protect children from companies who are knowingly exposing children to pornography. Children today are being exposed to pornography at earlier ages and in more extreme forms than ever before. Pornography can lead to low self-esteem, mental health problems, addiction, and an increase in problematic sexual activity at younger ages. It can also even impact brain development and lead to difficulty forming and maintaining positive relationships. In Legislative Bill 1092, introduced and prioritized by Nebraska State Senator Dave Merman, seeks to do something about that. This is a bill that would prohibit any commercial entity from knowingly publishing or distributing material that is harmful to minors on the internet unless they have a reasonable age verification method to ensure that anyone trying to access that content is actually 18 years of age or older. Simply put, this might be one of the most practical and most important opportunities to protect the hearts and minds of children to come through our legislature. And I'm pleased to be joined now by one of the leading national experts on this topic, attorney and public policy director for Family Policy Alliance, Joseph Combe. Joseph, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Nate. It's a real honor and pleasure, and I've been looking forward to it for a while, so I appreciate you having me on. Well, we appreciate you being here, and Family Policy Alliance is really helping lead the charge nationally on efforts to defend faith and protect families, and NFA is honored to be a part of that movement as a state ally of Family Policy Alliance. So first, can you tell us just a little bit about your work with FPA and what you're seeing around the country? Absolutely. Well, as you said, I serve as the Director of Public Policy for Family Policy Alliance. Family Policy Alliance, or FPA as we call it, is a national nonprofit that wants to see what we used to call biblical citizenship, and now we just say family values as reflected through a biblical worldview. We want to see that reflected in in our laws across the country and federally. We do that primarily through a network of what we call state family policy councils, and we're very fortunate to have NFA serve as one of those. There are about 40 of those. We want to see them all in all 50 states eventually. NFA is one of those, and that's who we primarily interface with to help get a lot of this policy done. As the public policy director, I'm one of the attorneys on team. I'm the I'm the leader when it comes to policy analysis and political space analysis, at least as it relates to the states and, and our pro-family values or social conservative values. I don't make all the policy decisions for FBA, but I help us drive the bus and equip our team with lots of experience from they have a, just a diversity of approaches to what we do, and by equipping them to help make these decisions, we we come to what our policy focuses are are going to be from year to year, and even longer than that usually. And one of them is is this issue that's come up recently. FPA has always taken a stance for the biblical view of sexuality, and one of the perversions of that is the modern pornography industry, and it's proven by the research that shows how harmful it is, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But that's just one of many of our issue areas, and it's probably our primary issue focus for this legislative session. Well, I know we're so thankful to be able to partner with Family Policy Alliance in this work to help protect children and families. And you actually came to Nebraska to help support the bill I mentioned, LB 1092, to help protect kids from these 
big corporations that are uh, exploiting children for, for profit and exposing them to pornography online. You testified in support of this bill. Just how important is this issue and why is it something that you and FPA are so invested in? Oh, it's so critical to the health of our families and the ability of children to thrive and become all who God created them to be. Right now, kids have virtually unlimited access to what we would call adult sites with what could be called the host, what could be called pornography. And that's deeply dangerous because pornography is so harmful to kids just at a, a medical, a physical level. Research shows that pornography is as dangerous to children, uh, frankly, it's as dangerous to everyone, but it's especially as dangerous to children as opioids or hard drugs. In fact, there are some studies that show brain scans of people viewing pornography, people with a neutral brain, and then people who are on heroin. And the brains that were most similar were the brains watching pornography and the brain that were on heroin. In fact, those two brains in this scan study were virtually identical. There's just a mountain of research showing irrefutably that pornography is deeply dangerous to children, and it's more dangerous for them the younger they're exposed to it. Right now, that age of first exposure is between 7 and 13 years old, which should be deeply troubling to all of us. I mean, imagine if your if your 8-year-old son or daughter was being exposed to heroin or crack cocaine for the first time at that age. And everyone with the accessibility of technology now through smartphones, through the Internet, your phone is basically the equivalent to your child as uh, a 24-7 dispenser of heroin in any quantity they want, any variety they want, as often as they want, completely for free. That is the equivalent of what you hold in your hands. And I'm not trying to demonize technology. Technology is a moral neutral that is often used for very good purposes and should be. I think it's a gift from God, but like all those gifts, they can be perverted and idolized. And this is an example of that. And policies like this, like LB 1092, help protect kids from that exposure, that first exposure, which is so often accidental. And it helps parents be put back in charge of how they teach their children about things like sex, because parents are the first educators. It's their parental right to protect their child's innocence. And this easy access to pornography uh, is preventing that and going around them. So this bill is designed to shore up their rights in that regard. I think that is that's just so important. I mean, we know how devastating this issue is uh, for families and especially for young people. And I think what is especially concerning with how much we know not only how harmful this is, but some of the worst perpetrators of this type of content on their sites. You know, this isn't hidden in the deep, dark web. These are mainstream sites that are getting millions and millions of views have videos of, you know, just the, the worst things imaginable, you know, videos of, of rape, of human trafficking, of women and children being exploited. And that's all just a few clicks away. And these companies know that children are accessing this site. So what are we seeing with legislation across the country? You know, are laws being put into place to do something about this? And do they work? Yeah, great question. So fortunately, when a really encouraging thing is that we have seen a recent small wave of, of legislation similar to LB92, which establishes mandatory age verification procedures for users to access pornography sites. For example, the leading porn provider in the world is Pornhub. It's known as the YouTube of pornography, and that is not hyperbole. The viewership they get from there is very lucrative through their advertising campaigns. So this wave of legislation is designed to prevent access to that or at least ensure parental involvement to that. Seven states passed a law like this last year in 2023. 
Um, almost all of them uh, have been upheld in courts of law, which is very encouraging, I'm sure. And what's even more important is that they've mostly been effective and not in the way we initially thought. I think most people who drafted and wanted to get these bills passed, they really thought uh, or uh, companies like Pornhub would actually try to comply. And uh, they do that by hiring a third-party uh, age verifier that would protect um, user privacy as is required by this legislation and uh, actually you know, keep their services. But in most of these states, you know, I live in Virginia, which is um, a very purple state, as we would call it. The houses were divided last year. One was led by Republicans. One was led by Democrats. And they passed this bill, which is, for one, a sign of its bipartisan nature, the bipartisan nature of this issue, which is hugely encouraging. Um, and then it was signed by Governor Youngkin. And after that happened, what Pornhub did is they decided to block their service to the state of Virginia. And they did this to most of the other states as well. And what they're showing by that is that they believe that children really should have access to pornography. They would rather remove their business from that state than work to protect children as the law demands, work with the government and with parents. And uh, it betrays a very a very perverse worldview that I think is being exposed. They're, they're essentially saying that if children can't have porn, nobody can have porn. And that should be very jarring and rattling to us. It, it should be revealing because it's always good to know who people are, who people really are, and especially good to know who your enemies are. And make no mistake, Pornhub is the enemy of families and of children. Yeah, I think you're you're spot on, uh, especially with with what we know about age verification. You know, we we do it online all the time. Uh, it can be done very securely, very simply. And these companies are saying no, rather than comply and make sure that in fact kids are not actually coming onto our site, we're just going to leave altogether, which definitely tells us something. And one of the more um, common and interesting arguments we see uh, in opposition to these bills is the argument that they're unconstitutional, or the porn industry at least will argue that they're unconstitutional because they violate their rights to free speech. How do you respond to that? Yeah, it's a worthwhile argument because every good law student knows that uh, with current Supreme Court jurisprudence, pornography by itself is protected speech. I want the audience to know that the Supreme Court's jurisprudence that established that standard is old by several generations. It is extremely outdated. It could not have possibly foreseen the rise in technology that has facilitated the rise in the proliferation of pornography. And it certainly has not taken into account the research that we've cited here and, and elsewhere about how harmful pornography is to the average person, especially to children. And I think the Supreme Court will really have to revisit its jurisprudence on this, whether because of these laws or other laws, because of it doesn't take that harm into account. I mean, we protect kids from things that are harmful for them by the virtue of the fact that they're kids. Um, we protect them from things like alcohol, drugs, weapons, things like that. And if, if the research is true that shows that pornography is as harmful as a drug, then the state has what, what lawyers would call a compelling interest to protect children from such a substance or such a material. And I think that's well established in our laws. The, the Supreme Court has that well established in its jurisprudence too. So in my mind, we have a clear conflict of laws for the outdated precedents from the Supreme Court. Well, I think that's really important for us to understand because we're going to run into that argument, but I, I don't think it's a, a very compelling one because, you know, you see, think about the fact that if a child wants to go or wants to attempt to go see a rated R movie, they can't just walk into the movie theater and, and buy a ticket. They have to either be accompanied by their parent or a legal guardian, or they have to verify their age, that they're at least 17 or 18 years old. And that's not unconstitutional for movie theaters to, to have that requirement. And so I think it's dangerously inconsistent that we also wouldn't have 
online age verification for these websites. Uh, So Joseph, as we wrap up here, just quickly, what's your encouragement to parents and families in Nebraska? Uh, You've helped do this work around the country. What type of difference can people of faith make in helping to shape and influence the laws and policies that are governing our state? I think people of faith should be so encouraged by the bipartisan nature of this of this legislation. And that's because, you know, for several generations we've seen the biblical view of sexuality in within the safety of marriage be very degraded across our culture and honestly the proliferation of pornography and its access to it is a reflection of that. But now you're seeing, for various reasons, not necessarily even mostly because of faith reasons, but for various reasons, you're seeing people from all stripes stand up against uh, sexualizing children in this way and exposing them to this really dangerous content. And that should encourage us because it's very easy to get uh, defeatist, right? In today's world as a Christian, you think, oh, you know, uh, Christianity has lost the culture, at least as as a dominant ethical force. The biblical approach to sexuality and marriage is no longer prevalent. And maybe that's all true. But we could see the pushback in this area, and that should really encourage us because the bottom line is Christians have the most attractive story behind sexuality. Every competing worldview presents a narrative, a story. And Christians have been losing that battle since about the 60s. Well, right now, everybody who bought into that alternative narrative is running into the broken promises of it. And you can see that in every family issue that NFA and FPA work on. And this is just one of those where we're seeing bipartisan agreement that something must be done to protect kids and make sure parents are at least the first line of defense of their children's innocence. And it's up to them to provide age-appropriate sexual education before anything else. That should encourage people. It's worth fighting for. It's worth holding on to the biblical truth that we know is superior to anything that the world has to offer. Amen. It's worth fighting for. Joseph Combe with Family Policy Alliance, thank you for joining us and thank you for all of the incredible work you and everyone is doing at Family Policy Alliance. Thank you, Nate. It's been an honor. Here's to many more battles on behalf of the good guys in the future. 